to another episode of Untrue Crime, where fiction meets felonies. I'm Alex. And I'm Belle. Today's episode includes content warnings for gruesome depictions of illness and death. This is your fair warning that this podcast uses explicit language before someone walks in at the wrong time. As a last warning, today's episode includes gruesome depictions of illness and death. Just as another fair warning to the viewers, I have unfortunately caught a mystery airplane illness. Mm-hmm. And I have the taken my Alka-Seltzer night. The, the plane plague, yeah. The plane plague. The plane plague I have, I have contracted. Luckily, I sound better than I did two days ago. But if I seem off, there's a reason for that. She's very sick. And I talked over her, but she said that she's already taken her Alka-Seltzer night. So yep. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Let's get this started, shall we? Let's go as fast as we can. Okay. This is a 13-minute episode. It's just you reading. <laughs> it's cold as outside. As fast as physically possible. Oh, You're reading as fast as physically possible. <laughs> it's cold outside. You're sitting at the kitchen table and you are afraid outside. You can hear voices shouting and the fire spreading. It's all horrid and you feel the corpse of the next fire. Surely God himself has cursed humanity for all you spilt for weeks of burning bodies. <laughs> that was fast. That was really good. You could be an that auctioneer. Was- an auctioneerist? Auction, auction. Why do we even need gendered terms for professions? Because it sounds pretty. <laughs> Auction, auctioness. Auctioness. Auctioneerist. Selling cabinets. Okay. It's cold outside. You're sitting at your kitchen table and you are afraid. Outside, you can hear voices shouting and the fire is burning. It smells horrid, and you fear your corpse will be in the next fire. Surely God himself has cursed humanity because all you have smelt for weeks were burning bodies. You've been afraid of each person you've seen, knowing they could be your undoing. You pray relentlessly, asking for forgiveness for whatever it is that you and your fellow humans have done, or, if it is not punishment, for some kind of deliverance from the shadow of death that seems to constantly be behind you. It seems like something out of a horror story, but that was life for many across Western Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and North Africa in the 14th century, right here in our world. I will say this protagonist does not sound like me. Well, maybe not, but this is just a hypothetical you. It's not you, you. It's, it's someone. It's a snippet in time. I would, I would appreciate if it would be reread with you replaced as YN is... It's cold outside. Your name is sitting at your kitchen table. At her kitchen table. At her kitchen table. (laughs) People did not know where the plague came from exactly. Some said it was punishment from God. Some said it was the way the stars had aligned in the sky. Some pointed at the nearby swamps or the wind itself. Others claimed it was the fault of completely unrelated. They were just pointing at shit. (laughs) It's the it's the swamps. It's the swamps. People really did think it was the swamps. Some people did. No, no, no. I fully believe that this sentence is completely unrelated. Yeah, some said that it was punishment from God and the stars, and then some other people were just pointing at swamps. Oh, you're very, you're very clever. I am so clever. Others claimed it was the fault of demons or witchcraft done by people groups they didn't trust. Whatever it was, it killed within three days, and no one had a cure. Some doctors claimed to, of course. They were so sure that prayer or bloodletting or pieces of disemboweled chickens could cure the Black Death, but it had yet to work. For those who contracted the illness, there was little hope. 
First, you would have a high fever. Your limbs would ache, and you would be utterly exhausted. <laughs> then, oh. sorry, I have tendonitis. Yeah, uh-huh. this is just my reality. Well, let's hope the rest of this is not your reality, or you have a very limited window to get to a doctor. The plague oh, is no. treatable nowadays, by the way. Is it? You can survive the bubonic plague now if you go to a proper doctor. Wait, aren't we vaccinated against that? Against the plague? No. The bubonic plague. Oh, okay. Well, the bubonic plague has mostly died out. Oh, okay. It still pops up once in a while. What in, am I thinking of? It's scarlet fever. I was thinking of scarlet fever. We have a scarlet fever vaccination, do we not? Mm, what are we vaccinated? What is this the one with the tubes? What? Oh, you mean Wait. like where they have the uh, the circular thing, the mark on their arm? No. No. Oh. The, the, where they're put into tubes. Okay, you should restart this paragraph because I think I'm on drugs. Okay. Then your lymph nodes, tissue with white blood cells meant to fight infection, in your arms, neck, armpits, thighs, and groin would swell and blacken. It would get bigger and bigger until they reached the size of 3 to 4.5 inches. It would be excruciatingly painful as your skin turned purple and the giant, pus-filled boils broke out across your skin. You'd begin vomiting up blood. The last stage saw victims becoming crazed and delirious with pain and fever. Once the lymph nodes began bursting inside the body, you would soon die. It's debatable how many really died, but 30 to 50% of Europe's population was wiped out in just a couple of years. Rates ranged from 25 to 50 million people who suffered and died from this horrible disease. Entire village populations were reduced to nothing in days. There were too many people to even bury, so many were left out to rot or were burned. Others were thrown into rivers. For those close to the sick, you had to make a choice. You can stay at their side and nurse them, making their passage into death easier. Or you can leave and potentially save yourself from the same fate. Many people, even children who died of the plague, were abandoned by their friends and family, suffering and dying alone with no one to hold their hands. Many had to damn those they loved to that fate for their own well-being or the well-being of those who counted on them. To be in either position was hardly anyone's idea of fun. The plague didn't discriminate. It infected the rich, the poor, the young, the old, the men, the women, the good and the bad. It had an uncanny ability to spread, and once you had it, you were almost certainly a goner, no matter who you were. It was carried into Europe on the backs of rats, who were infested with disease-ridden fleas. They were not terribly important creatures, and yet they were the shepherds of the plague that would change the world. The disease had existed, causing carnage, for a long time before it reached Europe. It was likely born somewhere in the Gobi Desert in present-day Mongolia, and had been popping up in parts of Asia for centuries before it became a significant issue. However, the previous outbreaks were small and sporadic, rarely venturing beyond where they started. A pan-continental pandemic may have originated from one of these small outbreaks, but it grew into something much larger until there were actually three strands of plague going about at the time, making managing the already difficult disease nearly impossible, especially when the new strands were even more deadly than the original. This sounds familiar. It does, except worse. <laughs> well, yeah, but it sounds I, familiar. <laughs> like, hey, there's there's new strands. It's getting worse. We don't know what to do. There's not enough doctors. We're all sick. Well, to be fair, we have much more doctors and medical equipment. This than is they true. Do. 
Although at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, like, remember, like, the hospitals were, like, overrun. Oh, yeah, and they still have issues with COVID, so. Mm-hmm. There's, there's still not enough doctors in our wonderful modern age. Wonderful. So imagine back in the day when you had about one doctor per village who had no idea what the plague was, or what a germ was, to be fair. So... Yeah. the time we are discussing today the time of guillemot simon when the plague first came guillemot simon guillemot simon he sounds like a, a country guy. I, I chose names that kind of rhymed because i thought they were silly and goofy this is not a silly and goofy story but i thought maybe it was a little funny guillemot simon guillemot simon <laughs> When the plague first came to his village in France, Guillemot considered fleeing. He had a horse and he had skills in carpentry that he felt he could perhaps make a living off of if he were to leave. He was not a wealthy man. He had what he needed to get by, barely. But before the coming of the plague, he had not been unhappy. He lived with his wife, Colette. They had no children born when the first man in his village fell ill, but Colette was pregnant. Congratulations! Congratulations! She's expecting! Yay! It's too early for maternity leave, but... It is, and also, there will be no baby. Spoiler alert. Oh. There is only plague. Oh. And bones. Like everywhere else, the plague did not give advance warning of its arrival. It did what it always did. That would did. be so nice if it did. It Hello. would. Like, heads up. Way. Plague is coming. Be there in five. I, I just want to warn you that I'll be, th I'll be through the village very quickly. I'll be stopping by for a cup of tea. Yeah, I just, just thought that I should come see the place. Oh, I'd check it out. We're making the plague sound British when it actually came from Asia. And I apologize because that <laughs> is whitewashing. Yeah. <laughs> it did what it always did. It thrust its first symptoms upon others before the first victim to bring it into the village even died. It spread fast. Stories of it had reached their ears in the past, and when it came knocking on their doorstep, the villagers were nervous. Anyone feeling ill was required to report to their church where they were to rest. They had heard about the unstoppable disease, but that didn't mean they truly believed or accepted it. Being in a place of God, they reasoned, could save them. They could recover in a holy place where evil, like the disease, could not bear to thrive. It was their only idea of a solution for the terrible sickness they had hoped would never come to them. Colette told Guimont she wanted to flee. They could potentially get to the next village, but Guimont was afraid that they would deny them entry if they figured out where they were from, thanks to many villages barring entry to those from infected locations, and Colette was well on her way to having her baby. She was eight months pregnant. A horse ride could be bad for her health, too, he reasoned. Women weren't meant for long rides on a horse. It would surely be too dangerous for her. She eventually agreed to remain in the village, especially after the town's doctor reassured her that a demonic disease such as the Black Death could not possibly continue to harm anyone once they were inside a holy space. Thus, the disease would be eradicated from their town, and they would go on as normal. Why didn't they just make all of their homes a holy space? What do you mean? Like, what if, like, bless what if them? the priest came? Yeah. Well, I guess he could have, but he chose like, not what, to. Like, what, what was the purpose of not 
doing that. Well, you already because it, I mean, space. make them all holy spaces. I don't really know how Catholicism works, but you've already got a holy space. It's right there in your itty bitty village. Create more people in it. Why would we want to bless Joe Bob's house where he definitely is doing weird things with his goats? You know, like we we leave the uh, church, but, you know, like bless the bless the the, the people that with bless the, the people. I don't know. They said put them in the church. Evil don't cannot that live holy water in a church in a lot of religions so put them in the holy space Perfect. we already got <laughs> way easier on this 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 whatever this father something i don't he doesn't have a name i didn't give him a name <laughs> he's just a dad just a random guy it's just a, a, a chad the dad just the dad. this is daddy chad holy man zaddy chad Colette began helping at the church, tending to the sick as best as she could while significantly pregnant. There were many <laughs> of them, so she worked a lot. You know lot. how they always say that you can't be a little bit pregnant? Yeah. This feels like the reverse of that. <laughs> she was significantly pregnant. Significantly pregnant. She was. She was at, like, eight months. So, baby's coming yeah, that's, soon. That's pregnant. That's pregnant. You know, and like that's when you've got two your... lines, that's three lines. Yeah, when you've got your sick all laid out on the ground and on like benches, you know, it's hard to bend down and like wipe people's sweat when you're eight months pregnant. I've never been eight months pregnant, but I know of people who have been eight months pregnant and they do not like bending over. I mean, cheers. Yeah. There were many of them, so she worked a lot. She even stayed for a couple of nights without returning home since it was easier than walking back to her home and she could be more accessible to those that needed help. Gimon knew where she was and didn't worry too much when she didn't come home, reasoning that he'd see her soon, but all that wishful thinking did not save any of the infected, of which Colette became one, and people were dying now, fast. Gimon tried to visit her at the church but was denied entry. A group of villagers who lived closer to the church and had seen bodies be carried out had decided to stand guard around the church. No one goes in, no one comes out. If the disease was in there, they said, that was where it would stay. They recognized its power for what it was now, and they didn't want to jeopardize the rest of the village. I'm, I'm so glad that I live in an age with modern medicine, because it must be so freaky to not know that germs can rest on surfaces. For real. I mean, blissful ignorance, but... Man, it's in there. We think that it might be in there. It has the to invisible stay in entity there. is in there. So we're going to close the doors. And, What's and so that handy will keep though, it in there. Is the moment you this village was having people if they started to feel sick, which it starts out as like a fever, like something mild, like you go straight to the church and you go and you're like, "Oh, my fever is going to be fixed." But these people were like, "Uh-uh. Those people in there are not getting fixed." So generally, the disease was mostly contained to the church. If you if you started feeling sick, you went straight to the church. Do we happen to know if the black the black death is similar to other diseases we know, where it just rests on surface for a couple of days? It can live on surfaces for a short period of time, but not more than a couple of days. So if you and your family are sick, you go to the church. It takes you a couple of days to die. By the time you come back to your house, like. 
you're pretty much good. The biggest uh, issue for transmitting the Black Death was actually the coughing because one of the strands that lived in the lungs, a pneumonic strand, would cause coughing and the droplets would be an issue. But They're all coughing like five-year-olds with their tongues out. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> that night, Gilmore was awoken to screams. Coming out of his home, he discovered the source. The sentinels that had barred the doors of the church had set the church afire. It burned fast with all of the infected inside, including Colette. They let no one approach until the building was ash covering bones. Gilmore was enraged, attempting to murder those who had set the church on fire, but other villagers who had also realized how severely they'd underestimated the plague at first held him back and took him home. After I would that, like to say this is another reason that I would not survive in ye olden days. Because people just like whacked. Like they were ready to kill. I'm oh so yeah, if I you're if a, you're walking into place our village with the plague, you're lungs. out. Get out of our village. Go starve because you're not coming into my village. If I live No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. That makes total sense. I'm talking about Guillemont, who was like, I'll just kill him. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is I mean, no law and order in the boonies of France. Exactly. That's why I'm glad I don't live there. In this time period. Or at all. I don't want to live in France. French is hard. French is I learned hard. Dutch. I have taken five years of French. And I am just as shit at it today. As I was on day one. Through no fault of Madame. Who taught me the best she could. Um, that woman did it everything she could for me but i am just dumb and i would like to give a shout out to her and all the work she did i'd probably be better at it if i was better at studying french you'd be better at it if you like lived in france i would but i don't live in france and i don't ever intend to so and it's not really a life skill so it's good for your out your job applications not here in the U.S. to speak French, because no one here in the U.S. speaks French. It's good if you speak Spanish around here in, like, for yeah. job applications, but French... But people like bilingual people. Yeah. After that, plague died out in the village. There were a couple more cases, but those people were exiled from the village the moment they began to run a fever. Guillemot started out blaming those that burnt the church for the death of Colette, but he couldn't deny that it had worked. It had saved the rest of the village, including himself, from infection. And besides, she wouldn't have been in there if it hadn't been for the disease coming into their town in the first place. So, he moved to blaming the plague itself for her death, a much more reasonable thing to place blame on. But eventually, he had to question why the plague was here too. As stated earlier, there were many conflicting theories for why the plague had infested the earth. Guimont, after reflection, decided it was God cursing humankind. Otherwise, how could something so evil have been permitted to spread and fester within the church? God must have allowed that to happen. But God, he believed, being a Catholic, was perfect. He did not do things for no reason because he was a fair and just God. In the Bible, he had cursed the Egyptian people with a terrible disease for enslaving the Israelites. It was a punishment for going against his will. So, this must be the same thing. People had done something to anger God, and now they were paying for it. So at long last... Guillemont's blame turned to humankind. They had been the ones to do something terrible, leading to a long series of events that had killed his wife. It was not perfect logic, but it was what he came to. Guillemont saw himself as being a devout man. 
He had always upheld Catholic beliefs and played by the rules as much as he possibly could. This was a punishment on humankind, yes, but it was brought on by other people who were not as good as he was. He hated them for sinning so much, bringing on this punishment. Gilmont wanted them to continue to pay for what they had done and how it had gotten his wife caught in the crossfire. Gilmont wanted more people to suffer God's judgment. I'd like to interrupt with a bad character moment, not from our podcast, but from someone that I knew, and I'm okay putting on blast. I once had a fully-fledged argument with a fully human character in a fully human realm, and I told I told this person, I said, you, listen. Wait, are we, I'm sorry, Winston, are we talking about a real person or a fake person yes, right now? Yes. This is a real. Uh, this is a real person that. Oh, wrote okay. A that was so confusing how you worded. Okay, re- I'm so re- sorry. I, I'm on Alka Seltzer night. So okay. that I, t- I, I got brought to this real hu- human. I and I looked at them and I said, "Hey, everybody sins. That's kind of part of the point of Jesus dying. Like that's part of it." And they go, "Well, not this character. This character has never sinned once, has read the Bible, and the only sin that he has ever committed was sex before marriage." And I was like, "Wait, what character? No sins. I don't remember his fucking name, but it was so obscure and I had a whole argument where it was very much a that is an unrealistic standard." Oh, you so don't talk about a real person discussing a fake person. Yes. Okay. Hmm. It was it was really peculiar and it was poorly written. So okay, they had a genuine argument with me about how this character had never sinned except for the one. Except okay. for the one. In but that their still counts. Entire as life doing a sin. I mean that's unrealistic anyway. But like they said that this character was the perfect Christian, and I was like, that's actually goes against the teachings of the christian church yeah now i'm not christian uh anymore but i know that the whole point of christianity is kind of that none of us are perfect christians there's only one perfect christian and he's he's uh resurrected he's not with us anymore not because he's dead the whole point (laughs) is that he's alive but that's odd. Yeah, that's very odd. I would not have. It was a very like peculiar. That. Bad character choice. If you're ever, if you're going to make a religious character, make them realistic about their religion. And also, same person, do some research into the religion. Don't go into it blind. Know what you're talking about. They also made a Jewish character and did no research. Oh my god, I rem- that was that was a bad <laughs> instance. Yeah. It was it was god awful. It was yeah yeah, no pun intended yeah (laughs) okay you may continue Gimont wanted to make more people suffer god's judgment that wasn't hard if you were willing to go the extra mile and become a plague doctor there was a difference between a regular doctor at the time and a plague doctor plague doctors specialized in plague they were usually no fucking way man mind blown They were usually newer doctors trying to make a name for themselves and gain experience, or who couldn't find other work since more experienced doctors didn't want to go near the plague and had seniority. Other times, they weren't doctors at all. They were just very brave people who were willing to go into a plague-ridden area to do their best to help and ease suffering. Gilmont volunteered to be one of those brave people, but not for the same reasons. Man, I'm I'm also glad that I don't live in the era where people could be like, I'm a 
doctor. I'm gonna be a doctor <laughs> now, all of a sudden. I've decided. Yeah. I suppose when there's also a difference between plague doctor who is not even gonna try to save your life because they know you're fucking doomed and like doctor who's like let me open up your skull because you're a woman with feelings you know so neither of which are favorable no 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 at the time the concept of germs was not something that people knew anything about however they did have vague ideas of how plague spread Everyone knew being close to a plague victim could make you sick. They didn't know why exactly, but the cause and effect was obvious or they wouldn't have isolated themselves in the sick. They also thought it was in the air, but Guillemont was taking advantage of another theory for how the disease manifested. The theory of humors. The theory of humors said that different bodily fluids were linked to the elements. Yellow bile was linked to fire, blood was linked to air, phlegm was linked to water, and black bile was linked to earth. Therefore, if one was present in an illness, there must be an imbalance in the element that caused the sickness. Guillemot was not a man who could read, though, so he had the theory vaguely explained to him instead of studying it, and he misunderstood it. The way it was actually supposed to work was that the fluids were signs of what was wrong, ways to show the imbalance in the individual and the environment, meaning the balance had to be corrected in order to recover. These fluids were symptoms of a larger issue, not the cause of the disease itself. But Guillemot understood it to mean that the fluids themselves were imbalanced, and being exposed to them could cause more imbalance in others, leading to disease. It was right in one way, but the fluids were dangerous and could cause more disease. Not for the reasons he thought, but because of the germs that he didn't even know existed. I am so glad that I live in a modern age. Yeah. He couldn't read. He I couldn't like read. Him. Now he's a plague doctor. Yeah, yeah, he can't read, but he can he can try to solve the plague. He gets a worse being a doctor. Like his he's the worst doctor ever. We're getting to that. He was given a briefing and what he needed before being sent to a different infected village. It was told to him that he wasn't there to save people. There were no illusions about what was going to happen to the victims. His real job was to ease suffering by being beside the victims and draining the buboes of blood and lymph. He did this in the infected village, collecting bodily fluids from the infected in bottles and sealing them. His so-called patients didn't even notice, and if they did, they weren't long for this world, so they didn't have the time to tell someone else or ask questions. It's also notable that they didn't know how plague was treated, so for all they knew, it wasn't odd at all. Guillemot left after his first day with patients in his new doctor role. Plague doctors were already an omen of death for the time. They didn't come to a village unless things were serious, and they didn't approach you unless you needed their help. If one showed up at your doorstep, you were already doomed. Guillemot was an even more profound omen of death because he took his horse and rode two days out to a different village, an uninfected one. People deserved to suffer, he wrote at the time. He was doing God's work. God wanted humanity punished, and Guillemot was happy to lend a hand. He could spread the plague to more people and make them regret having done anything against God's will. A rational person would have seen the multiple flaws in his logic, and even more so would have realized that the idea of wading into a plague-ridden place was dangerous. But Guillemot was not rational at the time, and he had not only neglected to recognize that God and the plague didn't need any help infecting people, but he felt that since he was a man of God, a truly devout human, he would be immune. Another reason why I'm so glad I don't live in this time period. 
you can just believe you're immune. Well, I guess people do that today, too. Just believe oh, yeah. the disease isn't going to get them. When he reached the clean village, he smeared fluids infected with plague that he had collected on every surface and dumped the last of it in the well. Satisfied, he got a room at their inn, ready to watch it all fall apart. The plan was to collect more disease-ridden fluid once this village became sick and then take it to another village. He wanted to go from village to village, purposefully giving the men, women, and children there the plague, then exploiting them to hurt others. It worked. People began showing symptoms, and he calmly offered to treat the poor souls, collecting blood, bile, and other biohazards as he went, even though he had begun to run a fever, like the ill. He thought nothing of it. It was just a minor illness, he believed, because he was God's angel of death. The plague could not touch him. But it is a disease that consumes quickly. The plague can take up to eight days to begin showing symptoms once infected, but once symptoms begin, you have about three days to live. Imon had taken a bit longer to show symptoms, meaning he was showing at the same time that his freshly infected victims who presented earlier began showing. Soon, he was on his deathbed. A different man came to town to serve as its plague doctor, a man named Marc Fouet. Fouet was a true plague doctor, one that was there to help people, unlike Gilmont. He went about his work, holding the hands of the dying and wiping the sweat from their brows. On day two of his symptoms, Gilmont took Fouet's hand and slurred out the truth. He told the whole story as best as he could, saying he regretted what he did. No longer did he see himself as God's avenger. An avenger wouldn't have fallen ill beside the rest of the people he had killed. He begged for a priest to confess his sins properly, but none were brave enough to come into the plague house. Fouet had no sympathy for Gilmont, a healer himself, one who had seen immense suffering. Fouet was horror-stricken to hear that Gilmont had taken on the same position as Fouet's, pretending to be someone there to help, only to turn around and weaponize that position to intentionally kill others. Gilmont, he realized, was a monster. How could he have looked at the dying faces in the last village and gone on to thrust the same fate onto all of these people whom Fouet was now trying to care for? Fouet said he considered slitting Gilmont's throat right then, but he had taken an oath never to harm another human being, only to help. Besides, he deserved to suffer and die from the illness that he had inflicted on so many others. It was the closest that he would get to justice in this life. So Fouet stood, wrenching away, and left him to die, tending to the others instead. When Gilmont was dead, Fouet recorded it all on papers that survived into the modern day, the only way we now know what happened. According to records, Fouet would eventually die of the plague in that village, too, succumbing beside the people that he had been trying to comfort in their dying days. Nearly the entire village died, and it was all because of the vile actions that Gilmont had taken. With his vials. Yep. Vile with the vile. Vile with vile. the vile. Just vile. Vile vials with vile. That's what I said. I know. I was repeating what you said because it was so wonderful. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Send in your thoughts, theories, questions, and comments to untruecryingthepodcast at gmail.com, all lowercase, for a chance to be featured at the end of our season during the Q&A. Bye. Bye. Au revoir. Bye.